we have your attention, please. The COVID-19 pandemic has proved very trying for passenger train operators. Massively reduced customer numbers and ticket revenue have strained or even broken business models for train operators. But at the same time, it's brought to light the importance of the whole railway, whether that be for transporting key workers or delivering food and other essential supplies around the country. So, it should be no surprise that the rail network and those who work on it form part of the critical national infrastructure. What fewer people are aware of is that that also makes us subject to the Security of Network and Information Systems Regulations 2018, also known as the NIS Regulations. Today I'm talking again with Emma Taylor, Chartered Engineer and former rocket scientist, about the NIS Regulations, about how they affect the railway, and in particular our information systems, and about what we in the industry need to do to comply with the regulations to deliver a better, safer railway. This topic is an important one, so we've split it into two parts. In the first, we'll be talking about the NIS regulations, about the digital parts of the railway, and the need to include software and information security experts in design conversations. In the second part, we'll talk about the human aspects, the change of culture that will be needed, and Emma is going to tell us a story to get you thinking about what could happen when software goes wrong, why you need to consider reasonably foreseeable scenarios, and the possible consequences of waiting until software causes the accident that starts you thinking about software failures. So, Emma, can I start by asking who you think within railway companies should be aware of the NIS regulations and why? I think almost everybody should be aware of the NIS regulations because keeping our railways safe and secure is a role in which we all have a part to play. Regulations are useful because they get you to think about the overall problem. We just need to think more broadly above and beyond, do I need to comply with this? Yes or no? Everybody can read them. Everyone can think about them. But probably one of the biggest challenges is around language. Most information security specialists and software designers are already aware of NIS and think of cybersecurity. But some of the people who are the engineers who design and deliver the physical parts of railway, the rolling stock and infrastructure, aren't yet engaged with the NIS regulations. They think cybersecurity is not for me. That might be because the language in the NIS regulations and supporting technical documents is different. If you see a security requirement, do you know how to map it to your architecture frameworks and to security and safety regulation? Do you understand how digital safety, and that's all cybersecurity is, can impact the safe running of the network? If you ask yourself these simple questions, perhaps you can see better how the NIS regulations might inform and influence your day-to-day job. And what about the language of triads? And I'm not talking about the Hong Kong mafia in movies here, but the confidentiality, integrity, availability triad, the three principles that have to be met for cybersecurity, are also applicable to safety. If you think about the running of the railway, you do need to think about availability of data and integrity of data combined in order to be able to ensure safe running. Confidentiality is important of data, but perhaps less important when it comes to safety. And let's not forget that the railway itself is changing. More and more of those physical parts of the railway contain digital parts. Those digital parts help bring the physical elements together and they connect with the railway's information networks. But people tend to think of the railway in terms of physical parts list. A lot fewer can list digital parts, which handle software and data, which underpin the whole of the railway operation. If you only think about physical parts, it's like seeing the railway in black and white instead of in full colour. 
which means you will miss things when that colour changes, i.e. digital safety elements change. One other way to think about it is about physical cracks and digital cracks. And I talked about this in the digital safety message in the first podcast. A physical crack, a crack in a rail that you can see or pick up with ultrasound is relatively easy to spot. But can you spot a digital crack in your software or your data, a loss of integrity, a loss of availability? Both of those impact the safe running of the railway, both physical cracks and digital cracks. But like the latter is a lot harder to see than the former, which is why it's so important to think about your railway across the full spectrum. And this is the digital safety message that we were making in the first podcast and that we're reinforcing here. Digital safety and cybersecurity are different sides of the same coin. One of the other challenges is making sure that people understand how these new regulations fit into people's underlying mental models of how rail regulation works. We're all familiar with ROGs and more and a way of encouraging them or priming their curiosity to see how the NIS and GDPR regulations might align or dovetail or engage with existing rail safety regulation. I want people to broaden their mental model to consider them. Otherwise, when I talk about NIS, it's like trying to force a square peg into a round hole. To be able to adapt to this new world, I think people need to shift their regulatory mental templates, and this isn't an easy thing to do. In fact, it's probably the hardest challenge of all. We'll talk more about this in the second part of this episode, where I tell people the story. Given this overall, so perhaps it's not really that surprising that people are finding it hard to connect with the NIS regulations, which are at heart pretty simple. For the operators of critical national infrastructure, please make sure you can keep those services running when things get a bit difficult, whether it's cybersecurity challenges or otherwise. RSSB's job is to support the railway and to think for the railway whilst the railway gets on with the job of running the railway. That's always challenging and that's particularly challenging right now. And so this podcast is here to support you as effectively as we can in engaging with this important subject. In our ongoing asset integrity projects, we are helping by connecting, by bringing people together from different discipline areas who have an interest in cybersecurity and digital safety. So that's the people that work in IT, that's the people that work in information security, and that's the people that work, of course, in safety. And we're getting them to work the problem together on what can go wrong through a risk assessment for considering reasonably foreseeable scenarios. What do we think could happen? Which, as we all know, if you then identify and implement measures to control the risk that you found with a risk assessment, reducing likelihood and or impact, that's an integral part of demonstrating and meeting legislation requirements. Keep an eye out on our website and email list for more outputs as they come. Thank you, Emma, for that very comprehensive look at why and what. One of the obvious issues that we have with the digital parts of the railway is that they are relatively new. We have very little experience of things going wrong, and that means we don't have any precursor indicators. What do you think we ought to be doing until we have built up a body of knowledge that will help us predict what things will go wrong? That's one of the biggest challenges because regulation asks you to think about what could go wrong and then put measures in place to manage it. That's the cornerstone of a risk assessment. Where we are here and now is that things are popping up here and there, but there's no integrated overall picture of where these digital cracks are emerging. Perhaps it's because the disciplines are not able to talk to each other freely or even know that they need to talk to each other. Perhaps it's because the duty holders, manufacturers and supply chain are not able to share information as freely as they might want to or need to. 
So the individual pieces are there, if you like, the individual jigsaw pieces are there, but they're not in an overall picture. And because of the challenges of seeing when things are going wrong, identifying those digital cracks, some pieces are missing. It is a slightly uncomfortable place to find ourselves because we need to understand where the risks are and where they are trending in order to be able to manage them and manage the safety of the railway. Now, legislation, whether it's ROGS or otherwise, does require you to look at the overall picture. And this is a cornerstone message of NIS as well. And as we've talked about, the railway is becoming more and more digitalized. So digital is everywhere. I'd also say, and perhaps this will make people quite uncomfortable, I'd also say that prediction isn't possible for digital safety or cybersecurity in the same way that it has become for safety, thanks to the strength and depth of reporting and alerting systems such as SMIS and NIR Online that are used industry-wide. This can make people who are new to the field of digital safety quite uncomfortable. The IT and information security people are well used to the situation, which is why they focus as much on people and processes and don't rely solely on technology. In this rapidly changing digital world, you need every bit of help you can get. So people have to use other approaches when they are demonstrating that they can meet NIS. They need to use these assessment frameworks and consider what could happen, not just what has happened and the trends. There are links to useful resources from the National Cybersecurity Centre in the show notes on the blog page for this podcast. Anything that causes or could be a precursor to an accident might be considered safety critical, and yet the current definition of what's considered safety critical is quite narrow. Do you have any thoughts on how that, perhaps, ought to change? It's true that safety critical is a pretty narrow definition, and sometimes things you think are safety critical for the safe and effective operation of the railway are not considered to fall into that category. Why not ask your colleagues what they consider to be the safety critical elements on the assets that you're working with and challenge back or ask back if you find an answer that surprises you? It seems counterintuitive, but if someone deliberately wanted to cause harm, it might be easier to cause fatalities through failures of non-safety critical digital systems rather than the safety critical ones. Passenger information systems are one example because you could put threatening messages up on there by hacking them, then causing people to evacuate a train and then potentially causing fatalities or injuries. Other things which might not fit into the narrow bracket of safety critical could include changes to CCTV software, maintenance updates to braking software and so on. Anywhere there is a digital component, there's the opportunity for a digital corruption of that software and data and creating the conditions for an accident and near miss. Sometimes it's due to the unexpected combinations of things interacting in unexpected ways, such as simple failures of software interactions to deliver the right result. Here, comprehensive testing before deployment is essential. The biggest challenge and the activity that delivers the biggest benefit is to think outside the box. Look at your system with fresh eyes and ask, what happens if this happens and that happens? This is the value of storytelling, creating these reasonably foreseeable scenarios. And we'll talk more about that in part two of this episode. Thank you, Emma, for taking us this far today. I hope our audience now has a better understanding of the importance of digital safety in terms of what could go wrong from an operational perspective, that safety, maintenance and operations will include IT, information security and cybersecurity experts in their collaborative conversations, and that together they'll think about and develop their own reasonably foreseeable scenarios.
If you're only listening this far, don't forget there are links to some useful information in the show notes that are in the blog for this podcast, which you can find on the RSSB website under the What We Do tab. Thank <laughs> you.